0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters. So, this obviously, we're monks, uh, many of us here. And this is a monastery right over there, as you guys know that. Um, in monasteries, Monasteries historically have always been a sign against the culture and the uh, kind of attitude and the ideology of the world. Historically, it's always been the case. So that even during the fall of the Roman Empire, which was in the fifth century, 400 AD, when the Roman Empire was uh, basically collapsed because many barbarian tribes came in and just started taking power the roman empire became weak and left it themselves open for invaders and they were uh they were overthrown the roman empire was overthrown when the roman empire fell in the 400s western civilization basically collapsed with it because western civilization was built by the roman empire all the philosophy that came out for the most part was built by the Greek and Roman Empire. All the arts, all these kinds of things. Everything kind of just started to collapse. And that's when we entered in history what's called the Dark Ages. Because people stopped writing philosophy. People stopped writing poems, for the most part. I mean, there were very few here and there. But people stopped doing art. The intellectual life of Western culture just died out completely because it didn't have the space and it didn't have the uh, the kind of foundation needed any longer with the collapse of the Roman Empire. Well, what ended up happening is St. Benedict came in the 400s and he started the monastic order and the Benedictine order grew very rapidly and reinvented Western civilization as we know it now. And everything that we have now in Western civilization basically comes from uh, the, the seed that St. Benedict implanted with the monastic life. Okay, why am I talking about all this? What is the monastic life? What is it about the monastic life historically that uh, that goes against, is a sign against the ideology of the world. I think that the Gospel reading today tells us the difference between the monastic life and the monastic life is really, at the end of the day, it's just, a, um, it's just the heightened form of what the Christian life should be. So John Paul II says that the monastic life is the reference point for all the baptized. So it is the heightened form, but nevertheless, all of us are supposed to live like this. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock the rain came the rain fell the floods came and beat against that house and it did not fall but then the foolish will hear these words of mine and not do them and they will be like people that built their house on sand and the rain came and the floods beat against that house and it did fall and great was the fall of it i don't th- th- there are very few images in scripture that in my opinion match or parallel, or uh, uh, give us a description of what society is like now, what the world is like now, other than this gospel reading. A house built on sand is a very good image of society as we know it today. Okay, why? Because sand is malleable. Sand is changeable. Sand is flexible. And because it's so flexible, you really can't build something on it hoping that it would last. Well, it's the same thing with, Western, with, uh, with culture today. People want to be free. This is the, the kind of catchword of our modern age. Freedom is the catchword of our modern age. Everybody wants to be free, but freedom in the wrong understanding of it. Freedom as in, in the sense of licentiousness. I'm, I have the license to do whatever I want to. This is the kind of freedom that, uh, we, as we understand it now. But that kind of freedom kills because that kind of freedom is the worst kind of slavery. That kind of freedom where I want to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it, in whatever way I want to do it, that kind of freedom is building a house on sand. That is building a human person on dirt, and that human person will collapse, because that kind of freedom will only guarantee one's slavery, because the freedom to do whatever we want to will guarantee that we will, do, we will act against our own nature and be enslaved by the sins that we uh, are supposedly free to perform. As opposed to the wise man who built his house on rock. And what is that rock? In scripture, in many places in scripture, uh, especially the Old Testament, we have many images uh, for God in the Bible. There are many. Okay. Among them, one of the more popular ones is that God is a rock. And so in Psalm 18, we'll say, uh, I love you, O Lord, my God. My rock, my fortress, these both very structured, very uh, solid images a fortress, a rock, these kinds of things are images that are used for God because God is that stabilizing force of the human person when one is united to him, one does his will. Freedom, as we understand it now, is building one's self on sand. Because I want to be free to do whatever I want to do, that is the sand that is so flexible. I want to be flexible. I don't want to be tied down to something. I don't want uh, consistency, and I don't want to do the same thing all the time. I don't want that kind of, that kind of determination because that kind of determination can get boring. I want to be excited. I want, I want new things constantly, novelties constantly to excite me. But building a house on sand will guarantee one's fall. God, on the other hand, is the only rock of our lives. What does that mean then for you and I? If Western civilization fell at the time of the Roman Empire and caused us to go into the Dark Ages, this is because the Roman Empire at the time became overindulged in its own freedom, much like we are today overindulged in our own freedom. We have abused our freedom. And in abusing it, we are are falling. What can we do then? To what can we hold on to? The rock which is God, the rock which is Christ, the rock which is established on Calvary, the rock which is the cross itself. The rock is the cross, and if we hold on to the cross. If we build our house on the cross, the winds will come and blow against that house and it will not fall because the cross is established and the cross is victorious. But what does that mean to build our house on the cross? It means always to look to Jesus crucified and risen from among the dead. It means always to imitate him and his love for God and his obedience to God on the cross and his love for humanity as manifested on the cross and to imitate him in his love. Yes, that will mean a lot of consistency. That will mean a lot of self-sacrifice. That will mean a lot of discomfort. That will mean probably a lot of boring things as well. But at least we know that we will be stable. Brothers and sisters, I have a quick announcement and I'm gonna end my homily. Starting next week, we're going to start doing uh, Sloth at Sapra, well, we've been doing it, uh, but we're going to start doing it in such a way, Sloth Sapra, which is a uh, morning prayer, in English before the 12 p.m. mass. We're going to start that at 11.30. The whole thing will be chanted, and it will uh, we will be led from, supp- from uh, morning prayer into the mass kind of seamlessly, okay? Uh, The last hymn of the morning prayer will be the first hymn of the mass. This is the way it's been done very, very traditionally and historically. So we're bringing it back in that way. Uh, And I want to talk for just one minute about what morning what our Sunday morning prayer is in the Chaldean liturgy and how it relates to the mass, because it's really beautiful. During Sunday morning prayer, which is for the most part of uh, mixture of psalms from the Old Testament and hymns written by the fathers of our church like St. Ephraim and St. Narseh, the theme of sapra, of morning prayer, from the psalms and the hymns is the theme of light, the theme of light and the theme of creation, so that um, the words in the psalms are describing how God created the world and how God established the world and how beautiful God's creation is and that he created it in his light Why are we talking about light and the theme of light so much during the mass? I'm sorry during morning prayer on Sunday because First of all, it's the morning when the light dawns and then second of all because of the dawning of the light coming from the east it dawns in the east, right? The dawning of the Sun Coming from the east is a very historical symbol of Jesus' second coming. When, when the church looks at the rising sun, it sees it as an image of Jesus who is rising from the east, from Jerusalem at his second coming. In all of his glory and all of his brightness to come and judge the world at the end of time. The rising of the sun from the east is a symbol of the second coming of Christ. And so our Sunday morning prayer focuses on the creation of the world by God And then the new creation of the world at the second coming of Jesus symbolized by the rising sun. And so you see what happens in morning prayer is that we have all the cosmos, the whole world is being uh, contemplated here as coming from God. And then all of that uh, God's action in the cosmos is now being given to us. Now we're going to live it out in the mass. It's going to become a reality in the mass. And in the mass, we actually do celebrate. And we do bring to reality the Jesus who is coming again when he comes again to us in the Eucharist. And then the Eucharist is Jesus coming a second time until he comes definitively a second time at the end of time.